Welcome back to Chris and Huddy, and this week we're going to talk about um, Tony Romo actually leaving the NFL in order to pursue a broadcasting career. And so this came as a shock to me when I first heard it on the news when I hear Tony Romo actually leaving the league, but not just, you know, just retiring. He retires and automatically has a whole nother job set up for him. It kind of is like a good setup for him if you think about it. I mean, it really is. Uh, and me being a Cowboy fan, I was like, I mean, I love Tony Romo. I love Dak Prescott, but at the same time, like what they were doing with him was messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, hold him off of the market, but kind of use him as, you know, like an item and then wait for the last minute to trade him or, you know, keep him on the team when he, he's been like a starter for like a long time. So that's what I was kind of confused about, but it all made sense because he actually had a, you know, a different plan all along. Well, I don't know if he had a plan all along, but it seems like, you know, he ends up just working it out in the end. But if you really think about it, like I understand like with his whole legacy at the Cowboys and how they're kind of doing him wrong in that aspect, you still got to think Tony Romo is 36 years old and he's approaching retirement age regardless. So even if he didn't retire now, within the next year, two years, maybe even three years, he was going to retire anyway. Yeah. So especially with Dak Prescott already being the leading quarterback right now, he would be delaying the inevitable by sticking around with the Cowboys. So really, I feel like it's a good move by him because now he's going to be on CBS as one of the top uh, newscasters there, um, sports analysts there. So, I mean, hey, it seems like he's always has like a move up his sleeve. Yeah, it's definitely a win-win because like, honestly, like what you said, at this point, you know, his health is in jeopardy because yeah. like, all, all the injuries he's got. So he has to actually look at his future, too, and look at like look for his family because that's, you know, that was a key part of his decision, too. Yeah, so why keep going out there and risk injuring yourself or risk, you know, doing something that'll end up ending your career prematurely instead of just, you know, just coming to grips with it and then just letting it uh, go on its own. And so with this way, he still has a, a good, stable job already and his family is still straight. So yeah, that's true. It all works out in the end. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy for Tony Romo now that he's doing his thing. And so... We'll see how great he does at CBS Sports Network. Yeah, and me too. Hey, but also, y'all need to stop being haters of Tony Romo like y'all used to be because that man getting paper. He doing his thing on the field and off. <laughs> Moving on to the next thing. So next, we're going to talk about things going on in the NCAA. And so first thing, of course, we got to talk about the national championship game <laughs> by UNC Tar Heels that finally came out and won a championship after losing last year. Because, I mean, you can't lose two years in a row. You can't do that. If you're a good team, you usually don't lose a championship two years in a row. Like, same thing like what the Cavs did. They lost it one year, but next year they come back and they end up winning it. So, I'm glad my boys ended up winning it. Shout out to my boy Kenny Williams. And so, yeah, I'm real happy that they ended up winning. They had a hard-fought game against Gonzaga, who... Gonzaga, I really didn't think was going to be in the championship game at all. True. <laughs> like... In my bracket, I had them losing to West Virginia, Dang. to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, the thing with me is, like, I I, I hate to say I, I told you so, but I told everyone, UNC about to win it. And I was like, yeah, that's just that's just who I'm taking. I didn't make a bracket, personally. But I was like, UNC about to win it. People were like, nah, 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 Kansas, Duke. I'm like, UNC about to win it. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, not for real, though. I feel like in the last couple of years, it's really been like that. Like the team who loses the championship one year that comes back and, you know, wins the next. That happened with, the, yeah, like you said, the Cavs. 
and it happened with Clemson too against Bama. Yeah, that is true. And so it always seems like this year has been like the year to come back kid. Yeah. Like this this year and last year. Anytime you lose the first time, try try again, you will succeed. Really <laughs> <laughs> But then other things going on. I heard Patrick Ewing actually got the head coaching job at uh, Georgetown now. Okay, now Pat. <laughs> and so another kind of surprising thing, but at the same time, I feel like um, a lot of college teams are kind of going on that whole getting former players and getting them to be a head coach at their school because I also heard that Dayton ended up getting Anthony Grant as their head coach now mm. because he used to play there also. So. I feel like they're all kind of going on this kind of movement of, okay, let's get a former player, someone that, you know, the fans already love and, you know, the guys who will come here already, like, have looked up to because they've watched them play here yeah. and end up having them be a head coach there. And so, I mean, it seems like a good idea, but um, I personally don't know Patrick Ewing's, like, coaching ability at the moment, <laughs> but I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll do straight because being a Hall of Famer in basketball, like, you have to understand like the ins and outs of basketball in order to be a hall of famer you can't yeah. just do that just from being athletic and True. blocking shots all the time like you had to understand the game so i'm pretty sure he'll do a good job at georgetown but we'll just have to see in the years to come yeah yeah i like that idea of bringing in um you know former players to coach because i mean he definitely knows the game he got some insight and for big men who come in i feel like that's a real positive like big men who you know, got potential or want to play under Patrick Ewing because he, he's going to make them right. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely going to teach them something. And I feel like he'll probably teach more on um, big men to do like more traditional big man like moves and mm -hmm. how to play like a more traditional big man because you don't see that as often anymore really in the league or in college at all. Yeah. And so I feel like that could really be helpful um, for some kids. And also just the fact of because he's a Hall of Famer, you understand how many connections that, that he has like to people within the league, with people within, you know, in basketball in general, at high school, AAU, college, and NBA level, even like overseas and stuff. And yeah. so that's really a great thing for them to come under his wing because it's so many things that he could probably like show them or introduce them to um, in order to give them like a chance. Cause it also it's Georgetown. Like, <laughs> really? like NBA scouts already like go to Georgetown because of like the name and like know that like okay there might be some kid like who has like the talent to come out of here and then just the fact you have Patrick Ewing as your coach like it only makes things better for you yeah yeah the crazy thing about that is like Patrick Ewing he put he set the like the foot down for like players at Georgetown like he pretty much put Georgetown on the map yeah <laughs> and he's coming along you know like 20 years later 30 years later I don't know how long he's been <laughs> he's been playing for <laughs> he was playing a long time ago <laughs> but he, he came back and you know and, you know started to coach here so yeah and plus also because he played there i feel like he's going to be more vested and you know more passionate about like who he brings in and his actual job more so than just you know just someone who just comes in just like okay i'm just a coach here but you know since it's his school his alma mater i feel like it's going to be a lot more uh like family oriented a lot more like close-knit in a sense because of he's been through everything before he's been there before and he like has like a passion for Georgetown and even as a Georgetown fan, even after he left. So I only see it as a good thing for Georgetown, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. All right, so for the next segment, we got my friend, we got a guest, Chan J. How you doing? Good, my man, how are y'all? Good. Good, 
So what? Like so what you been up to lately, bro? Working, working. I uh, I just dropped my debut project called House of Cards. It's everywhere: iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, SoundCloud, all that jazz. And um, I'm kind of just working on pushing that. And then uh, you know, I got my clothing line, Winad, which means weed is not a drug. And I've been out here promoting that. And then of course, I'm signed to uh, a label called Energy Seven. And uh, we've been out here really pushing our artist, uh, Coca Vango. So those three things are the three main focal points of my life every day. Okay, yeah, I see you've been working, like, for real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to nowadays, everybody's working their ass off trying to make it, you people that can't make music and stuff, so you got to be out here working if you're going to make it. Yeah, that's true. That's facts. Especially, not even with music, just, like, in general, because, like, it's kind of like you can't just do just one thing really anymore. You have to do like multiple things, like you said, doing the, the yeah, music and facts. the clothing line and all that. Like you have to be on your stuff with everything. Otherwise, you're really not going to make a lot of money or make it in general. Facts. Yeah, you got to do something to stand apart from everybody else because everybody's doing what you want to do. It's just what's going to, you know, make you stand out more. Yeah. That's, you know. You know just dyed my hair purple <laughs> something like that <laughs> uh, you know stuff you know you just gotta have something to make people remember you for who you are you know yeah yeah I feel that that's true and you know they said it they said the average millionaire has six different incomes six different you know jobs mm-hmm. yeah that, that definitely makes sense and I was talking to I don't know who I was talking to but they said uh, we, we, we were talking about millionaires and then we got to talking about billionaires and the uh, it was like something like you know only seventeen thousand people in the world are uh, billionaires. And then if you think about that percentage, you know the one percent, that's only like a one percent of that out of that one percent. So like nobody's out here really getting, making billionaire, you know billionaire moves. There's a lot of millionaires nowadays, but you know they lose the money, they don't know what to do with it. So you know I'm trying to think about being a billionaire and how small of a percentage of people there is doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's nobody out here. And, and think about it. You have to have more than one income to be a billionaire, you know? Oh, yeah. You got to have, like, 12. <laughs> yeah, you got, like, 12. Yeah. Yeah. A billionaire got six. A billionaire got about 12 now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm trying to get, you know, I got, I, I just mentioned three. So I got, you know, good nine to go. So I'm getting a billion. <laughs> I, I like that though because I mean a lot of people they got their goals to be millionaires but you don't hear a lot of people have set goals to be you know billionaires because they, they feel like that's not even you know <laughs> a possibility yeah. yeah yeah and I mean I just you know I was blessed enough to grow up to be around you know people with money and see how that works and uh, you know I guess that allowed me to set my standards a little higher you know a million dollars that's not that's not enough to to do everything I want to do in this life people blow through a million dollars in a day mm-hmm. you're right so I mean people buy houses worth 8 million 10 million so how do you set off 1 million you know yeah it's, yeah, especially if you live in like in New York or LA or out the country somewhere like yeah you're gonna be paying a grip for, for a house even, bro, even here in Atlanta the prices is going up I, I stay out in Buckhead so the price there man that's not cheap you know they hit me with oh, a yeah. nice fee every month Oh yeah, and it's, it's it's hard enough for me to you know make the money off of what I'm doing to just you know do that. So I, I, I you know it's not cheap to live anywhere in a big city. Let me just say that. Mm-hmm. Oh nah. <laughs> yeah, like, trust nowhere. me. We, Miami, we get Atlanta, Cali, Chicago, New York. It's all expensive, man. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's where everyone, y'all stay, everyone y'all wants stay to be. In Atlanta, right? 
I'm from Atlanta. This is Huddy right now. I'm from Atlanta. Chris, he from uh, Virginia. Yeah. Okay, okay. What's it like? Uh, it's, I can say it's kind of different. It's like because it has like influence from like southern influence, but also has like northern influence too. So because it's kind of like caught right in the middle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. but even like different parts of Virginia have a different like vibes to it. Like DMV, like DC area has like a different vibe than like Virginia Beach and stuff. Yeah, and, you know what I'm saying? DC air is popping. I've heard that. I just yeah. Yeah, it is. I had a great time out there in the summer. Well, hopefully with these shows, um, I'm gonna be traveling up there. Me and Coker are supposed to be having a lot of shows coming up. And, you know, we do a lot of the college shows, like you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Indiana, South Carolina, Florida State, all that stuff down here. Generally in the Southeast region, but hopefully this year that our ta- our, our craft allows us to travel places like DC and the West Coast and stuff like that. That's dope. Yeah, you need to come out to Bama then. Naming all those schools. Well, I did, I did one <laughs> show at, at the University of Alabama. Actually, I opened up for uh, T. Wayne. You know T. Wayne? Yeah. Yeah. So I opened up for T. Wayne, and um, it was right there at that fraternity that uh, it, they might have torn it down. I know it was like its last year, but it was the one that was right there, like actually on the same premises as the football stadium. Uh, I you think know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right there on the, on the, uh, where the football stadium is, like on the same uh, lot. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. So that was a great experience. Alabama's awesome. You know, they, they, they showed love and it was fun for sure. I want to come back, so y'all got to make that happen. Oh, yeah. You you know you got you got some people out here that fuck with you, so come through. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, me, like I said, I was talking about Coca. And, uh, well, actually, I didn't, say, I didn't tell y'all this, but we're working on a joint project. So we're going to try to do a project together. And uh, once we put that out, you know, hopefully, doing the college shows everywhere come this fall because we're gonna push it all summer i bet so so if someone wants to look at like where's your music at it's on uh soundcloud like yeah you can it's on soundcloud title spotify uh apple music and if they want to find me they would just type in chan j you know c-h-a-n and then a space the letter j and um the name of the project is called house of cards Okay, cool. And what's your IG so they know too? My IG, my Snapchat, my Twitter, it's all the same. It's at the real Chan J. And uh, yeah, y'all go follow. You know what I'm saying? Check it out. I'm pretty active on uh, all three of them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I say Instagram and Snapchat a lot more than Twitter. Twitter's kind of dead, man. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole art. The whole art's dying down. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I've been saying this for the longest. I feel like they just need to make a form of social media that takes Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter all into one. You know what I mean? So it's just a one-stop shop instead of having to use all these different, you know, social media outlets. No, I agree. Because I have times where I'm like, dang, I got to check this Twitter. I got to check this IG. I got to check and, uh, this Snapchat. And, like, <laughs> and all of them are copying each other. So it's like, like the My Story thing, it's on all of them now. Even Facebook. <laughs> I wish like an Instagram would have just bought out Snapchat or something like that instead of what's happened, you know? Yeah, bro, I agree. It's, it's getting lame. It's getting lame with all this like, you know, washed up stuff. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody's washed up. Everybody wants to do a story. Everybody wants to, everybody thinks they're watching them too. And nobody's watching nobody, which is the thing. Yeah, that's unless true. You really, unless you really, like, I've seen people that got, you know, 40,000 people. 40,000 followers on Instagram. They go do a live Instagram thing and 
got about 14, 15 people in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a ghost father. That's a ghost father right there. Right. Yeah, the, the real ghost followers coming out, bro. Or those fake like, Instagram pages be following. Though, right? And you see those people on Instagram, they post a picture, they got 30,000, 40,000 followers. Uh-huh. They post yeah. a <laughs> hey, hey, they paid for they paid for the followers. <laughs> they paid for. Them. Yeah, right. I know. A lot of people doing that nowadays. Yeah. But it works, you know what I'm saying? It do. To an extent, to an extent. Like you you know, people like myself and other people that do this for a living, they can see through the bullshit, but you know. Yeah. You know how that goes. Yeah, you're just not gonna have like a you know, a real following, but it's gonna look good from outsiders. Yeah, like the older people, like a lot of these people that are getting contracts to these artists and stuff they'll fall for that all day you know because mm-hmm. they, they don't know better they just look at the number like oh you got 40,000 followers let me, let me let me write that down and go on about the next question <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but that's life man the people with running the labels and stuff generally speaking will never really know how this music and art works you know they, they just try to get that dollar we definitely appreciate you on the show, though, Chan J. Yeah, bro, I appreciate y'all having me, man. Y'all know I fuck with both of y'all, so, uh, you know, whenever I drop something new, I'd love to come back and talk with y'all. All right, cool. All right, cool. Definitely get some work going on in the future. Yeah, that sounds like a bet, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. All right, no, no problem. problem. All right, man. All right. And last thing, we also end up just dropping a music video for Paper, which is on the mixtape, the scholarship. It's on SoundCloud right now. The second song on the tape. Yeah. And so that is on YouTube right now on Moose Media's page. Make sure y'all go in uh, and look at that. Uh, we'll have the link in our uh, bio this week. So y'all can go and check that out. Yup. And also be ready for a YouTube channel coming soon. You know, that video is going to be on there. But all credits to my boy Sam, for, you know, for actually filming it. And it was, it was real dope. So you got to check it out.